Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Good morning, City Life. My name is Devin, and I'm so glad to be here with you on a Sunday and being a part of this body together is one of the coolest, greatest opportunities we have. And just want to say thank you for tuning in online. Uh, you know, God's dream is so much bigger than us. And a lot of times it can be right in front of our face. And so I just pray that for this service and for this moment uh, that you would tune in, listen in to the dreams that God has for you and for us as a family uh, and lean in, get close. And uh, yeah, we're just so, so glad that you are a part of this family. Um, I wanted to say a big shout out, not only to um, our team, but but first and foremost to uh, to Jerome. Man, we have an amazing captain of our team who uh, constantly is seeking to empower and serve us as we all go together. One of his favorite phrases is that if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And so just a big shout out to him and, and grateful to him that I get to speak today uh, and get to teach out of one of my favorite passages in all of the scriptures, which is Acts 6. We're going to be diving in there sec- uh, in a second. And then also, hey, shout out to our Easter production team. Wasn't that amazing? Oh, man, if you haven't checked it out yet, you got to check it out online. You can check it on the YouTube pages. Um, and it was an incredible production that really speaks to the heart and the meaning of what Christ has done for us. Uh, today's sermon is entitled Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. And if you're wondering how do I become a part of the team, you can check out uh, online and you can sign up uh, at citylifelancing.com. Um, but we have multiple teams in the, in the big, big areas, if you will, are Kid City, Worship, Connections, and Get Stuff Done. And so get in where you fit in. Find your spot. We would love for you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and in Lansing. And last week, just kind of recapping, uh, the sermon was about God's dream. What is God's dream? Well, God's dream is John 3, 16. And just to reiterate that for you, I'll read it for you here out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's good news, y'all. That we get new life. See, Jesus didn't just come to change systems or do a couple miracles, but he came to make new humans. And when we become new humans, we get new affections, new desires, new dreams, new thoughts, new ideas. We get more love. We get an entirely new life. And so God's dream is that everyone would have that eternal life that starts today and then lasts forever. If you haven't taken that invitation, I just want to invite you in this moment. Consider it. Ponder that. Is God calling you? He's saying, come close. He has a dream for you that he wants you to be a part of. And so, yeah, if you haven't seen that sermon, go back and watch it. It's a great sermon. It's a great talk. Um, But today, uh, like I mentioned, we're going to be jumping into Acts 6. And the background of Acts 6 is, man, the church is persecuted. Jesus has ascended to the Father, and they're uh, doing ministry in the power of the Spirit, but they're being persecuted. Not only by Jews, but by other religions and faiths and people. They're being persecuted for the one that they're witnessing to, to witness to the resurrection. And what we see here is this new family is kind of working through some internal family drama. Shout out if you know about that. The scriptures are going to teach us how to deal with that today, what that looks like. 
but they're working through some drama and some internal conflict so that they can best show the world what it looks like to be the new family of love. Uh, and so there's a verse at the at Acts 6, 7 that really gives context to what was happening. And it's this. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. What? Priests. You see, in this moment, the one were the Jewish priests who had crucified Jesus, most likely. And what we see here is the dream, which is God's family growing and eternal life coming to not only the Jews and the Gentiles, but God's dream is happening. But it comes at a cost. And so what we're going to do is look into the passage to see well, if God's dream really is working and moving, not only in their day, but in ours. What does it take? What does it look like? What's our role in that? How do we participate? What's our spot on the team? And the great part is that there's a spot for everyone. You watching, people in service, me, and everyone that hasn't come home yet, there is a spot for you. So I'm going to just jump into and get a couple tips from the text on really uh, what this family looks like and then then where we get in. So starting in verse 1, this is uh, Acts 6-1. In those days... As the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So the church back in that day was managing food. It was kind of a a family welfare system. And you got one party saying, hey, I'm not getting my fair share. I'm being overlooked for whatever reason. And they're complaining to the leaders of the church, to to the, uh, the apostles and the teachers and the leaders of the family. And they're complaining. I think the first big thing we can see from this is that complaints are actually a space for opportunity. We should see complaints as opportunity. Jumping into verse 2. The twelve summoned the whole company of disciples, and they said this. It would not be right for us to give up the preaching of the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among yourselves seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And right off bat, we see something totally opposite of what you would think. Because in the world, right, like the waiting on tables or, you know, being a waiter or a waitress is typically seen as a lower role. But in the kingdom, it's upside down. Shout out to Rob G. In the upside down kingdom, greatness looks like serving. Jesus said, if those of you who want to be great, you must become the servant of all. And so what the 12 decide to do is say, hey, we want you to choose men who are full of faith, who are full of wisdom, who really embody Jesus's heart and spirit to go and serve. And it's kind of backwards, but that's the family that Jesus is trying to build. And I think the reason Jesus did this is because we're first witnesses. Witnesses to what, you might ask? We're witnesses to what Jesus did on the cross And the dream that he's trying to accomplish, that we would be the new family of love. And I'll be honest, man, sometimes uh, there have been moments in my life where, hey, my ego blows up. I get too big for my own britches and I don't want to wait on tables or I don't want to serve someone that, you know, I think is less than me. And I I think we can all relate to those moments where um, we think something is is beneath us or we're meant for more. But I think Jesus is reorienting what the word great means. I think it's changing it from what we do to how we do it, to our character and to our posture. And so complaints, when we see other people struggling or in pain, 
We have an opportunity to be great by loving them, by serving them, by going low. Uh, That's God's dream is that we would be this new family. I think about this too, as I've read the text a few times is Paul or the other apostles, excuse me, not Paul, he'll come around later, but um, the other apostles said we can't give up the ministry of the word and prayer and teaching and evangelizing. You see, in the kingdom of God, like in this new family, there's onstage roles and there's offstage roles. And here's the truth. Not one of them is better than the other. But we all have a piece to play. And yet even in the body of Christ, just like the upside down kingdom, we're supposed to give honor to the lower parts, to the people who need more help. And so whether your role is on stage teaching, preaching one day, or it's, you know, uh, you know, changing diapers and little kids, or it's get stuff done, uh, those are all moments where we get to embody and be what Jesus has called us to be. And I think that it's not on stage that makes you great. You see, here at City Life, we say that, for example, get stuff done. Backstage is a front row seat to what God is doing in people's lives and in their hearts. And so it's not about what you're doing, but about how you do it. The dream is less about trying to accomplish something, but more about becoming something, becoming what God has for us. I think, too, what's so fascinating about this passage is that they chose men that were holy. They chose people that were holy. And I've looked at it a couple times, and I think, why would I ask the question, why would Stephen even say yes? For what reason? I'm sure Stephen had other things better he could have been doing. I'm sure Stephen had abilities that maybe not wouldn't have been utilized in this moment. But for some reason, he was willing to say yes. I think it's because Stephen had this understanding that a role in God's kingdom is bigger than any role in our own, even if we're the king or the queen. Because God's dream is that we would see something bigger than ourselves. And just speaking about my own story personally, I've been on quite a few roles here at City Life, um, had quite a few different moments, whether it's music or being get stuff done or in kids or being a runner and going to the store and picking up items. And I think what really makes us so different, what makes the body of Christ so different is we're doing all these things in the name of Jesus to represent somebody. We're witnesses. Jesus said that our family would be known by our love. And love, just as a quick definition, means that you are willing to sacrifice for the good of another. It means we've laid down our rights like Jesus did so that others could come home. Thinking back to our sermon last week, God gave his only son. What? That's a reality that doesn't even make sense sometimes. And I sit with it and think about it, and it's just, it's beyond comprehension. Jesus laid down his rights to serve others, and he didn't have to. And he's calling us to do the same. And so Stephen is this man full of faith and wisdom. He's selected because of his character. I heard a great leader once say that character is destiny. And ultimately, Stephen will go on to become the first martyr of the church. And all he did was say yes to what seemed like an insignificant role, but really was huge in the eyes of God. And we saw the church grow from that heart as well. You see, because our highest commodity in the church is love. That's the sign of real maturity. It's not ability. It's not skill set. It's not accomplishments. It's not numbers. It's love. And your willingness to go and serve and sacrifice 
for others. That's what we're after. And I think beyond all that, Jesus wants us together more than anything. We're in a season in a moment where there's a lot of different issues that could divide. A lot of pain that's happened this past year. And we can choose to divide based on what, whether or not we're right. But I think the question we should be asking is, are we being righteous in how we do that? Married couples know. You can prove the point. You know I'm saying you can prove what you think is right. But if it hinders the relationship, is it worth it? I think that's the question that Jesus is posing to Stephen. Stephen totally could have said, man, this ain't for me. I'm too gifted for this. I don't have the time for this. I have other things to take care of. But instead, he chose unity. He chose to serve people who were being overlooked. And in doing so, he got to be a witness to how big and how wide and how deep and how powerful Christ's love was. See, Stephen was kind of like a linchpin. And a linchpin is basically it's a small piece Looks insignificant, but it holds a wheel on the axle. And if that linchpin comes off, and then the storms hit, or the road gets bumpy, the wheels fall off and the whole car breaks down. So even though the linchpin looks and seems insignificant, it's actually invaluable. And the church is full of linchpins. Like you, like me, like everyone that serves on the dream team. We all have a role to play. And you might be wondering, what is my role? And that's something to think about and pray about and ask God and let him speak to uh, where the church's needs are and what your family's needs are and your season of life and all kinds of things. But there is a spot for you. There's a text in Hebrews 10 that is so crucial uh, to why we do this. And it's this. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Since he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, every Sunday we gather as a family and we shout yes to Jesus's message, that others are just as important as us, more important even that we're willing to give of ourselves. We're unified. And when we do that, when we unify, we stir one another up to love and to good works, to give ourselves. All right, so all that being true, Right, all this example, right? See, Stephen giving himself, and yeah, that was 2,000 years ago. What would stop you from saying yes? What may have stopped Stephen, Stephen from saying yes? Well, my story, I think one of the biggest ones I've seen is insecurity. And that's played out in a lot of areas, but one of the ones that happened most when I was younger was being bullied as a kid. And that could come from all kinds of things, man. It could socioeconomic, my look, my skin color. Uh, man, I was really skinny, right? My teeth weren't straight. They were crooked. All these little moments, we all have them. And that insecurity made me think that I didn't have a valuable part to play on any team. Or we could take another moment. One for me that was really impactful, I remember, was being in eighth grade. Um, and in that moment, right, playing basketball, a lot of my story is through basketball. It's the platform uh, that God really speaks to me through. And I remember in eighth grade, right, you got an A and a B team, right? And next year, you know, I was on the B team. And then next year, going into high school, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to make the team. I'm going to be really cool. I'm going to have a lot of affirmation, right? My ego needed, needed to be built up. And so that's why I wanted to play. And so in basketball, there was, you know, every day after tryouts, you know, it was three, four-day events, a really big deal. And you, at the end of the tryout, you would go over to, you know, the sheet. And you would check and see if your name got crossed off. Or if it was still there and there wasn't a line through it. 
And if it was crossed off, you were off the team. Sorry, you didn't make the cut. You didn't get coach's signature. You didn't get the sign-off. You weren't accepted. And there have been many moments where I've either been on that side of the coin, like in ninth grade, I end up getting cut. Or years later when I ended up making the team and my name wasn't crossed off. And I think what was so deep about those moments, especially in ninth grade, wasn't that I wasn't going to get to play basketball. It was actually more about how did I see myself? See, if I had security in myself and my value was tied up to whether or not I was on the team, man, I would have been broken. And I was. It broke me. Cry for hours. We all have moments like that, whether it's the relationship that fell apart, whether it's the, the divorce that happened. The friendships that no longer talk or it's weird or it's awkward. Or maybe the job that you left on not so good terms. We all have these moments where we're told we don't belong. We're not stamped with approval because of one thing or another. But the beautiful part about God's team is that before you ever tried out, there's a name on a jersey for you. No matter what mistake you make, God has a spot on his team for you. There's already a jersey with your name on it. I think sometimes ego and self-esteem kind of compete, to be honest with you. Our ego saying that we're so important and our self-esteem saying we're so worth, sometimes they're opposites. And I think as our esteem gets bigger, as we remember what are the promises of God, that he loves us, that he gave his son for us, that he would stop at nothing to have us. We need less moments for our ego to get stroked and more moments where we can give and love and serve because we recognize that others are just as important as us. That we really can be a people who embody Jesus' love, his self-giving love. Because we know how valuable we are. We know that nothing can take us from the team. And so if we're good with that, we can now go serve. So that's one reason you might not be on the team. Another reason might just be focus. You've got too many things going on or you've got a lot in your world you don't really know how to organize or it can be overwhelming. You're trying to find a center. You're trying to find a place of stability. Why not start with the church? Why not start with God's family? And let that inform how we do and move and love and be in the world. There's already a vision and a dream for you and it's here. I think the last one is one that we all really struggle with and one that I've struggled with personally. Again, sports being kind of the platform for me. Um, and the last one is the fear of disappointment or it's too good to be true. I think back to moments where uh, life didn't pan out the way I wanted. Jobs didn't line up. Um, you know, basketball didn't take me as far as I wanted to. You know, I had dreams of playing in the NBA. Some of those dreams got changed along the road. I had other dreams of traveling or playing for certain colleges and and resentment can build up when our dreams don't become a reality. When the vision that we have, that we want so much, kind of disappears. I think back to a moment where before joining City Life, um, I had planned to play basketball at a higher college level, uh, scholarship. Um, and then after that would eventually try to go either pro, uh, semi-pro here, pro international, or go to the NBA, right? We all have these dreams. And I remember the moment where I recognized that that wasn't going to happen and the amount of anger and resentment that came up in me, not only at God and at others, but ultimately at myself because I thought I wasn't worth it. 
my my identity was still tied to what I accomplished. But then I recognized something that it was in that season that City Life was launching and I went to a launch party um, where we were having games and food and hanging out and I got to meet the team. And it was so difficult at first to let go of the dream that I had because I thought playing at a certain level, right? Getting a certain job, being around certain types of people, becoming a certain idea would finally make me valuable. What was really true was God just wanted me on his team the whole time. God already had a jersey for me. If I was willing to lay down my kingdom and my goals, I could be a part of his. And so that struggle ultimately turned to freedom into jumping into city life when the church launched. And I began to realize something that God is always consistent. See, disappointment begins to tell us that what's good can't be true. But God tells us in the scriptures that what is ultimately good is ultimately true. What's better than John 3.16? What's better? If God's for us, who can be against us? If God would give his own son, what else do we have to be worried about, right? There's, there's nothing that could either take away or add to the value that God has in us. And that frees us. We get to walk with more confidence, a little bit of pep in your step, a little bit of energy. Because now you're free to be whatever God has for you. And so I just want to encourage you in this moment. If it's one of those three things, yo, God has an answer for you. There's already a jersey for you. He already wants you. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And he wants you to be a part of his team. And there's a spot here at City Life for you as well. I'm always, I'm always blown away by uh, like movie stories uh, or even the UFC I think about the movie Tenet where they were so obsessed with every detail and the behind the scenes is incredible. But being obsessed with the details and the costumes and the angles and the cameras or, or the UFC where they're spending months away from their families and from their kids just to be a part of a fight for a crown that fades. And hey, sometimes I'm a fan and I like to watch. Other moments I can't because it's too much. But the amount of dedication that people have for earthly things is incredible. But we're part of the greatest team that's ever existed. We get a crown that doesn't fade. We get a God that doesn't disappoint, but he's always consistent. He's always good and he's always true. And so I just want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for us that we would all find and listen and ask God, where am I supposed to be? What's my role? Where am I at? What am I supposed to do? Right? There's a lot of questions, but we get to go on this journey together. So let's pray and ask God, what's his dream for us individually? And then as a church, and then as a city, and then a state, and a country, and a world. Let's do it. Jesus, thank you so much that you picked us. That no matter our flaws, no matter our shortcomings, you still want us. You love us as you find us. Just think about that worship song, that you love us as you find us. And that we are found before we were lost. That there's nothing we can do um, to ever be separate from your love. So God, I just ask right now that um, you would you would call more kids home. That if it's a moment for us where we're wondering, do we fit? Do we belong? Is there a spot for us? There is. Not just to do something but to belong, but to be something. 
God, I pray you just encourage us in this moment to ask the question again, Lord, what do you have for me? We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Guys, we have an awesome God, and you're picked for his team, and that's never going to change. God's going to do so much with your yes. He'll take care of all the heavy lifting. So what you can do is if you want to join the team, go to citylifelancing.com, and you can jump on. Kid City, worship, connect, get stuff done. There's a lot of options, and we're going to walk with you through the journey. Well, thanks so much for tuning in today, for being a part of what God is doing at City Life and in Lansing. This is all races, all faces. You belong here, and we won't stop until he makes all things new. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.